waiting to be able to harvest our olives. So here we are, after a summer of longing for some rain to fall, now we are longing for the rain to stop. Oh, the contrariness of humans. I guess we have to laugh at ourselves, but for the first time in our lives, the weather means more than ruined barbecue. During the summer, our well ran dry and our tomatoes suffered. And now, although the first rains were welcome to fatten up the olives, after a week of constant heavy downpours, resulting in a thick, muddy gloop, and the olives being so ready that they're falling from the trees, we are desperate for it to stop. Of course, our little grove is not the only one. We are all in the same boat. And of course, our 122 trees are nothing compared to the olive farmers whose livelihoods depend upon the crop. But here we all are watching and waiting for the weather to clear. For ourselves, the other factor is that Karen and Rob are hoping to help with the picking. And more than that, we are hoping they'll still be here for the picking. This being our first ever olive harvest, we are so grateful for the offer to help. And now the weather watch is more intense as they have to leave by a certain date. Last Monday, Charlie and I registered at the San Martino in Pensilis Olive Cooperative, ready and eager to start the harvest. It was a lovely sunny day, but we couldn't actually start as we were collecting, waiting to collect our nets and the shaker from Lorino. If we did but know, hindsight being that wonderful thing, that the weather was not going to play ball and the forecast, which told us we'd have bright clear days, changed daily. We would have bought the smaller nets that were in stock, but we didn't, so we wait alongside all the olive farmers as well as the vineyards that still have grapes to pick as we anxiously wait for the rain to stop. We had a very emotional moment when Karen and Rob told us in the middle of the cooperative's waiting room that they were going to stay longer to ensure that they could help us. Originally they were leaving on the 15th of October, but are now staying until the 21st. goodness only know what the Italians think of these supposedly reserved English people who laugh so loudly and cry so easily. I don't think we fit the stereotype very well. After we had registered, we went to visit the Catabal Winery right here in San Martino. Forgive me, please, if I've pronounced that wrongly. I do try, but um, I don't always get things right. Um, having tasted their Tintilia wine, which is absolutely delicious, we were looking forward to going and weren't disappointed. For a start, it's owned and run by a lovely family, the Catabo family. They were so friendly and welcoming and have an adorable dog too, which is always a plus. The views are just stunning from there and they are, they are almost finished building a new suite of tasting rooms, office and storage that offer up those views from large picture windows so people can go and taste you know the wine in all weathers sarah told us about the grapes and the process and also about their sparkling wine called ancestrale rose which is fermented in the same way as champagne i have to say that although i am no expert this sparkling wine is absolutely amazing it's not over bubbly and is a wine to sip and savor each mouthful at delight, full of body and flavour. I expect I sound silly because, as I said, I'm no expert, but this I can tell you. Charlie, Karen, Rob and I fell completely silent as we sipped, savoured and took our time, enjoying every moment. 
We celebrated two birthdays last week, Maria's and Karen's. Maria cooked the most fantastic meal. All her meals are amazing. I have to say some of the best food I've eaten in Italy has been at her kitchen table. Actually, the best food ever has been eaten at her kitchen table, and I'm not exaggerating. And although it was Karen's birthday also, it was actually Rob who had a dream come true. He had always wanted to eat real Italian home-cooked food in an Italian kitchen prepared by an Italian nonna and was delighted. And before I go any further, I must say that if you can hear these sounds going on in the background, this is the bad weather. We've got rain and we've also got the awnings over the van flapping in the wind. So that's what those sounds are. Then the next day we were booked for lunch at the Tribuco Punta Cavaluccio in Abruzzo. When we left the UK to start our new life here in Italy, lockdown threatened and of course Brexit was finalising within a couple of months. So we left pretty quickly. Karen and Rob were brilliant looking after the house and completing our packing. After the original plan, which was for Charlie to drive back to the UK, finish the packing, then return to Italy with the trailer load, fell through. How do you say a big enough thank you for all of that? I guess you can't, but knowing they love seafood, we figured a Trabuco experience would be something. Rosa recommended Punta Cavaluccio, and we took the only availability they had otherwise we would have left a couple of days in between to allow our huge Maria meal to go down. On the way to the Trabuco we visited the British and Commonwealth War Cemetery at Sangro River. Charlie and I have visited before and once again were struck by the tranquility of this resting place for the fallen. The land was gifted by the people of Abruzzo in thanks and although far from their homes they rest amongst olive groves and vineyards with birds singing and the sound of a tractor as life continues around and about. The everyday freedoms that they fought and died for. It started to rain as we arrived at the Trabuco but it didn't dampen our spirits and we did have a brolly. There is a cycle path along the Trabuco coast which is something we'll aim to enjoy either in the spring or on a sunny winter's day but on this day we were focused only on lunch. The Trabuki were built and used by fishermen back in the 18th century and are still used today although these days mainly as restaurants and they're a big draw for tourism. Their wooden structures basically a platform out over the sea enabling the fishermen to catch fish with nets without sailing on rough seas. If you look on YouTube there's a video showing the nets being raised and lowered. It would have been a tough life which is easy to forget when you see these magical restaurants suspended over the water. There is something very special about eating seafood literally out over the sea. We sat listening to the waves swirl and gently cascade over the rocks below our feet as we ate. We were thankful there was no piped music to ruin this experience with the natural soundtrack the pattering rain and the sea outside, the warm atmosphere inside was made even more cosy. We were brought endless courses. I'll try and recall them now. There is no menu, there is a set price per person and no choices. There is a choice of wines if you wish. We opted for the white wine that was included with the meal and it was very nice. 
You can, of course, choose different wines or, indeed, for each course, a bottle of wine to complement the food served. For me, being a lightweight, well, when it comes to alcohol, I would be asleep after the third course and miss out on all of the delicious food. And we were there solely for the food, and that pun was intended. We started with an amuse bouche antipasto, a little packet with fish balls and breadcrumbed anchovy. Then came a plate of thinly sliced octopus, raw tuna on turmeric bread, sardines with a sweet red onion chutney and prawns. Larger prawns followed and mussels, both of which I couldn't partake, but the others said were really tasty. Then a bowl of whelks and vongolo, or are they the same? I'm not sure, but there was more and more shellfish. <laughs> Charlie and Rob were in a shellfish heaven by now, while Karen and I happily swooped on the lightly fried, fresh as possibly can be, calamari. A bowl was brought round with large white octopus legs, and then there was a pasta dish with a seafood ragu, followed by a mouth-watering sea bass, delightfully presented. It was wrapped around pureed potato on a smear of pureed peas. This sea bass was something else. Rob said it was the best he'd, best he'd ever tasted. There were a couple of other courses, all of which were really good, and it seemed never-ending, but in a good way. And then glasses were brought out with a lemon sorbet. None of us had tasted a sorbet as delicious as this ever before, and as we drank it, a plate of juicy grapes were placed on the table, then followed by light strawberry mousse and then coffee. And I, honestly, I don't think we could have eaten another morsel. This was an experience indeed, a truly magical memory made with our wonderful friends. Well, if you look on the blog, you'll see photographs that I posted, but obviously you won't be able to if you're listening to this, but... If you'd like to look at the photographs, go on the blog www.movingtomalise.com. Well, living in the van with constant rain and surrounded by mud isn't exactly a dream life. However, seeing as for the majority of the time we really are actually living our dream, we can cope with it, even though we already have a leak in the bedroom, which thankfully I discovered before it ruined our clothes as it was in the wardrobe. I feel for Rossi and I'm constantly asking him if he wants to come in and he does at certain times but for the most part wants to be outside. Charlie made him a very large bed out of pallets so he is raised up and not on the cold ground. It has high sides to protect from the wind and some big thick cushions that were the banquette seats here in the van originally. We placed it under the hitch points so he has a roof but equally can see and hear all. And in the mornings, when he hears that I'm awake, he comes in, clambers up on the bed and has an ear rub, has a little play with Betsy and then back outside. But last night I really thought he would sleep in here, but he asked to go back out. The important thing for me is that he knows he's welcome whenever he wants to come in. I'm not used to having an outside dog, so it takes a bit of getting used to. Charlie and Rob tease me and ask me which bedtime story I'm reading him each evening as I tuck him in so cheeky. On the plus side, our architect John Carlo has done a great job with the plans. The geologist has been to inspect the ground and the engineer is putting his finishing touches. We are hopeful that the plan will be presented at the commune early in November and then we wait in hope that they're approved before they go on up to Campobasso, the regional capital.
our fingers and toes are firmly crossed. There are rumbles of thunder as I type this out and there are, well, not rumbles of thunder anymore, but certainly the sounds I mentioned earlier as I read. The rain is still falling and it must now be lunchtime. Certainly after mentally reliving Maria's lunch and that of the Trabuco, my stomach may start to imitate the thunder. Before I go, you can now listen to this blog on Spotify and other podcast sites for free under movingtomelise.com. Hopefully, the next blog will be about a successful harvest. My fingers are crossed. Ciao for now.